You're listening to the Phillies Nation podcast with Ty Daubert and Johnny Heller on philliesnation.com. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Phillies Nation podcast. I am your host, Ty Daubert. We're coming at you with a post-weird Orioles game episode. Uh, Since we talked to you last, the Phillies have finally had, uh, you know, a bunch of games. We we recorded after one game last week. They had one game um, coming right after a week-long postponement. So it's been good for everybody, I think, to finally get some some Phillies games all right in a row without any huge concerns uh, other than the bullpen, I, I <laughs> guess. That would be one big concern for the team. Uh, and catching pop-ups, evidently, after last night's game. Johnny and I are here, uh, my co-host Johnny Heller. We're going to talk a lot about last night's game because it, it was so weird, like I said. Uh, just a lot going on, especially in the late innings there. It was an interesting one for the Phillies, and we're going to talk about it. So my co-host Johnny Heller, like I said, is here to talk about the last week or so in Phillies baseball. And Johnny, I just want to know how you're doing and if you're ready to talk about it. You know, I'm I'm doing pretty well. It's been, uh, you know, the past, I don't know, 16 hours have been spent trying to process whatever happened last night. Um, and I'm getting there. Uh, just, I mean, weird baseball is the absolute best. So it was, it was a fun game to watch out by, you know, being uh, tough, I think, for, for Phillies fans to watch and, and stressful, I'm sure, for those listening. But definitely an exciting baseball game to watch. Uh, you know, it was like, a, do you remember the World Series game between the Astros and the Dodgers? Yeah, it felt like that. So it was like, it was like that, but that was between the two best teams in baseball, and this was between the Phillies and the Orioles. And, like, that <laughs> explains the difference. Yeah, that game that game was like two teams like just going out there and being as good as possible uh for, you know, a bunch of innings. I forget how many it went exactly. Um last night's game that the Phillies lost to the Orioles, it felt like two teams competing to see who could be worse. And in that regard, the Phillies might have won it for at least that night. Just <laughs> there were a lot of blunders, a lot going on, you know, I, I guess we should explain a little bit more what happened, how it went down for everybody, just so they sure. can relive it. And if you want to go ahead and, and give us the short rundown, because yeah. like I said, a lot happened even in just the last few innings. Well, you know, it's just a 3-3 game after six, nothing too special. Uh, and then Tommy Hunter, who is like <laughs> probably the third best relief pitcher that the Phillies have right now, which... Well, we, I, I don't Fourth, know. He's, maybe. he seems to be the one that they like the third most trusted for the Phillies. But I, I mean, who? But I don't know. We have Adam Morgan. All, Adam Morgan's yeah. a you know, one guy only kind of guy. But uh, anyways, he comes in, gives up a couple runs in the seventh, so it's five three. And then you know, before the Phillies come back, which of course they do, uh, in the top of the eighth. I think Jose Alvarez, I think he loaded the bases. Or maybe there were just guys on second and third. I'm not sure exactly. But I do know that uh, Andrew Velasquez, who was on third, tried to steal home. And 
he was called safe originally. I thought he was safe. And then because Alvarez made an absolutely horrible throw, uh, like well over JL, JT Realmuto's head. And Realmuto got the tag in, so he was out. So still 5-3, bottom of the eighth. Bryce Harper, after Hoskins hits a one of the weirdest, like it was like a slider that was a foot off the plate, like outside. And he just like reached out and tried to pull it, and he did pull it. Reached on an infield single, and then Bryce Harper hit an opposite field home run that just, like, just got out. I mean, it was, it was hit pretty well, but just got out. So, 5-5. And then Gene Segura crushes a home run. So, it's 6-5. Listen, Gene Segura's getting hot. He knew. He knew he got that one. Yeah, well, I think everyone knew. He crushed it. That was, uh, that was a – la- well, I wouldn't say it was a bomb, but, like, it, it, was, was, a, it was a he laser. Hit he hit that well. Uh and then, so going to the top of the ninth, I think people are feeling pretty confident. Hector Neris had allowed three earned runs in his last, I want to say 29 innings, roughly there. It was three innings or three runs in the last 27 innings pitched last year and then however much he had pitched this year. Uh, he comes in, loads the bases in about five seconds. Uh, Orioles are able to score one to tie it up. And then Neris gets an out. So there's two outs, bases loaded. Can't remember who hit the pop-up, but someone hits a pop-up pretty high uh, right side of the infield. Reese Hoskins is calling for it off the bat, and then Gene Segura starts calling for it, runs over, the ball falls in between them, and two-run score. So it's 8-6. I think it was – was it Austin Mays? I'm not sure. I know he did something something later. That was was later, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's 8-6. Phillies look dead in the water. Uh, And then the bottom of the inning – they load him up with two outs for Didi Gregorius. Hits a little bloop single, tie game, off to the 10th. Now, Joe Girardi had brought in defensive replacement Roman Quinn to man center field, um, which I don't like. Do you think he's the best? Like, I don't know if the Phillies really have a really good defensive center fielder. No, and the thought is that Quinn is fast, fast. and he can get to balls yeah. in the gap. Right. Um, but it didn't pay off yeah. in this one. Yeah, I, so, I, I don't know. I don't know if he's yeah. much better than Hazley, but I, I also don't think I also don't think Hazley is a great center fielder. I don't know if Kingery's a, a great, great I think he's center solid. I think Kingery's probably solid and I think Quinn watching him over the last couple of years, it looks like he doesn't always get good jumps, but he's just so fast. So he makes up for it there. So like I think he probably overall is an above average center fielder just because of his speed. Anyways, uh, Austin Mays. So the extra innings teams are starting with a runner on second. Austin Mays hits a line drive to center field that looks like it would just be a, a base hit, but Roman Quinn dives for it and it gets right past him inside the park home run, ten to eight. And then you know in the in the bottom of the the tenth, the Phillies did threaten. They did score one, but uh, ultimately. Game was over, ten nine Orioles. It was. I mean, it was just a wild game. I, like I don't. I don't really know what else to say <laughs> about it. <laughs> like, it was fun. It was. Fun. It was a good one to watch. It was super back and forth. Right when you thought they were out, they pulled you back in multiple times. Um, I I said this to Johnny and some other people. Um, I think the Orioles are in a weird way. Like while they are not good and there are certainly many criticisms of that organization and you know they for two years now it looks like they've been putting a really 
not competitive team on the field, not trying to win baseball games, but in a way that weird brand of baseball is almost good for the sport. I think that I think so. Like, obviously you want every team to be trying to win in an ideal world, but the weirdness that comes in some of these games, I think could attract some fans. I think that people would enjoy watching last night's kind of baseball. Like the Orioles. I mean, they're eight and seven. They're, they're hitting pretty well, if I'm correct. Like, Hunter Alber- Alberto is a stud. He had yeah, a couple doubles yeah. last night. But didn't, wasn't he about to bunt in the, in the ninth <laughs> inning? He, was, he tried to yeah. bunt in the ninth yeah. inning, and he couldn't One get it down. One thing we did forget, the ninth inning helped him started, win the game. The ninth inning started with a <laughs> leadoff walk to Chris Davis, which I would say is a big no-no in the year 2020. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, the thing with, with Naris, obviously, he gave up some runs. Um, you know, two of them were not really his fault. He yeah, got a he got an inning-ending pop-up that just yeah. happened to fall sixty feet away from home plate. But at the same time, some of the some of the hits that the Orioles had in the ninth inning came on like kind of good-looking splitters that JT Realmuto was like in the dirt getting ready to block. Right. And they the just, Orioles hitters, yeah, just no, I like hit, I, they just hit them. <laughs> I hadn't watched the Orioles at all this season before last night. Like I think. I kind of dig that lineup. I think they're pretty good. I don't know if they'll make the playoffs. Maybe they do. That'd be that'd be good. That'd be, great. That'd be uh, good. If you if you go on my Twitter, you can scroll back and find before the season I said that they would be lucky to win double digit games. They're they almost there. Go, <laughs> they got to go one and what forty three or whatever to one forty four. I don't think I don't think that's gonna happen. But yeah, yeah. Enough about the Orioles. Um, like I, th- I think last night, can kind of use that game to to see the biggest issues with this Phillies team so far, and like what what they've done well. Um, you know, they hit last night. I think overall they've been hitting pretty well. Uh, like if you look at the where they rank among all teams, they're top five in pretty much every offensive category. Um, and I think that while that's true, like you can also say they've been inconsistent. They had like five hits in the double header on, on Sunday. Um, but I think at the end of the day, that was looked to be their biggest strength coming into the season. And it has, even though like four guys who start almost every day have done pretty much nothing, you know? Until, you know, Gene Segura has a couple home runs over the last couple of days, but Scott Kingery has looked absolutely lost. Andrew McCutcheon had a – he had a uh, two-RBI hit last night, right? Still looked a little lost, I think, overall. Reese Hoskins walks. Uh, and he's like, starting to four, hit. It feels yeah, like he's, start, he's he is starting to, to start hit. hit. I agree. And he's hit a lot of – the last week he's hit a lot of balls to the warning track. I think, I think he's almost there. Would you believe me if I told you that his weighted runs created plus is higher right now than it was for last season? Really? Yeah. 114, oh. 114 for 2020. 114. One, 113 for 2019. Wow. Yeah, I mean, I think with Hoskins, uh, I think I think Joe Giglio, WFP, 941 WFP, tweeted that like Scott Kingery is a bigger concern than Reese Hoskins. And I think i agree with that like the thing with hoskins is 
Like he's been, he has been really bad for the past four months of playing, like dating back to last July, even June maybe. But you can still see like the, the, the same plate approach is there and like he gets on base still and, you know, you just start to feel like when he hits home runs, he hits them in bunches and it feels like he's going to start doing that soon. And at the very worst, at the very worst, he's going to get on base. Exactly. In front of, in front of Bryce Harper. And JT Romuto, who have been tearing the cover off the ball. Yeah. But, you know, Kingery, uh, he was really bad starting the beginning of July last year. And he obviously he's been recovering from having COVID-19. And and he has looked, sometimes looked pretty exhausted out there. But at the same time, it's, he's, the struggles this year are not new. Like his entire rookie year, he was one of the worst qualified players in baseball. And now, for the past, since last July, he's been really struggling. And you start to wonder, you know, he was good for about a month and a half last year, but was that real? You know, is that, can he do that? What, what, what do you think about Kingery? Yeah, so obviously we are only a handful of games into this season for any team, and especially the Philadelphia Phillies with that week-long layoff. So I, it's too early to – uh you know, make any definite statements or anything like that. But also the season is only 60 games and you don't have a lot of time to figure things out. And up to this point, Scott Kingery, uh, his OPS is 263 at this point in the season. He hasn't been producing. Does he have Um, any extra base hits? um, I, let me take a look here. No, he does not. He has four singles from what I can see here. Um, And the thing with him is, you know, I think we're both of the opinion that a lot of his potential value comes from defense uh, defense and being able to play at least um, solid defense at a bunch of positions. And then you're able to optimize, you know, the defense, um, you know, the value doesn't come from in itself being able to just play solid defense at all the positions it's being able to optimize your lineup each and every day exactly but if he's not going to be able to hit in any in playing any of these positions you know it's not worth it to move him around to get him in the lineup every day yeah that's kind of where i'm coming from and i don't i it's probably impossible for him to continue to be this bad um there's just there's been nothing encouraging. Like watching his, I think with Hoskins, Reese Hoskins, you can watch him. He's seeing the the ball pretty well. I I know he, people complain that he doesn't swing at a lot of strikes, and I I do agree. Sometimes he'll get a a good ball to hit, and he just watches it watches it right into the strike zone. But overall, you know, he sees the ball really well, and you think he can turn it around um, if he makes some minor changes. But Kingery, he just, I mean, he looks completely lost and overpowered. So I don't yeah. know. I, I do want to mention um, because we're recording. It's it's three forty five right now. The the Phillies play at seven, and the lineup for tonight was just released. And um, Scott Kingery is not in the lineup. Phil Gosselin is playing at second base, uh, and this is against a left handed pitcher. So definitely interesting. I think it would people have have seen that um, Kingery probably needed a day off. Girardi is giving him one. Uh, one thing I want to touch on in relation to Kingery, in relation to Segura struggling, um, obviously he's, he's got a couple big hits in the last couple of games. Uh, Hoskins struggling, McCutcheon struggling. 
it's so Alec Bohm was I think everyone expected him to be up by now um yeah and I, I would say it'd be one thing if all of these guys were hitting like if Segura was hitting and Kingery was hitting um but they're not and I like I they have the extra flexibility with the DH I know Phil Gosselin is hitting really well but you can you can play him in the field um I like I don't see any reason why Bohm shouldn't be called up by now. Like, do you understand this? And Jojo already said the other day that he expects Bohm to be up at some point in the season. The service time date has passed. Like, there's no How, yeah. Howard's up. Yeah, Howard is up. I I don't understand uh, what the weight is on Alec Bohm. Yeah, and um, I think this same argument could be made for some of the pitchers in in Lehigh Valley. But- right could possibly help at the bullpen they just called up Connor Brogdon uh at Blake Parker he he was a little bit of a different story he's not a a prospect but they just called him up as well um but yeah in regards to Bohm I just don't I don't think um I don't think that you can really say that he wouldn't at least be at worst a lateral move for some of uh, these bats in the lineup yeah. right now, and I think it'd be pretty safe to say that he would that he would help the lineup. And you know, at this point, um, I think it's very fair to say that the Phillies don't have the best version of their team playing in the major leagues yeah. right now. And Absolutely. in a, a team that says that they're ready to win now and ready to make the playoffs and they're committed to winning and, and all that, you know, we've heard it a million times from some of the people that that lead this team. And uh, I don't know if the actions necessarily, uh, you know, follow that the, the way that they've spoken, because there is a, there's a play at the very least, there's one player uh, in their best hitting prospect, Alec Bohm, who is, who would uh, almost definitely be performing better on offense than some of the, the players that have been seeing a lot of playing time right now. Yeah, and again, it's not it's not this thing where you call up Alec Boehm. There's one guy who has to sit every day. Gene Segura can play third, shortstop, and second. He's played all of those positions throughout his career. Uh, Scott Kingery can play anywhere except, what, first base and catcher? Uh, He's even pitched. He has, he has pitched, and I don't know what his ERA is, but it's probably not worse than some of the guys in the Phillies bullpen. Uh, and again, there's a DH, like – there's enough versatility and all that, you know, you can call up Alec Bohm, maybe give him one day off a week and still not be, you know, sitting. If you, if you're not ready to sit Kingery for an extended period of time, you can still get him in the lineup four or five days a week. You sit Gene Segura in the lineup four or five days a week. You know, you can put Kingery in, in left field to give Andrew McCutcheon a day off and, and Segura at second and Bohm at third. Like there's so much you could do. I just don't get it. Um, uh, but you know, I, I just it's it's got to come soon. Like, there's no way, there's no way when we record next week, Alec Bohm is not called up. That's my it just, that's my take. It that it does not. I think I said this on last week's pod, but it does not make sense to not have him up as soon as that service time date pass passes. And you know, it's one thing whether manipulating the service time is ethical or whatever. But you already did it. So unless you're waiting until the middle of next May to call Alec Bohm up, who will be, I think, 25 years old, there's no reason for him not to be on this roster 
there are guys on the 40 man right now uh, that probably don't have much of a future with this baseball team. And you can afford to DFA waive or trade them uh, at this point and bring your best hitting prospect in the organization up to the major leagues. He's 24 years old. They just did it with their best pitching prospect. Yeah. And he's, he would, Alec Bone would most likely help this team uh, on offense. They're already hitting well. And imagine what they could be doing if they were getting more production from some of these spots that aren't hitting. I just, maybe their argument is that the, the offense has been fine up to this point, but I don't, I don't see why you would not want to add uh, as much value as you can, especially when it isn't going to hurt anything in the long term in regards to service time. Yeah, agreed. Um, just one more thing with the lineup I think we should talk about before we move on to the rotation. Um, you know, I mentioned earlier, JT Realmuto and Bryce Harper have both been tearing the cover off the ball. Harper has four home runs on the season. Realmuto has five. Um, they've been knocking guys in. They're, they're a big reason that the Phillies – They've scored five or more runs in, I think, seven of their – games they played 12. I think seven of their 12 games they've, they've scored five or more runs. Um, and, and it's always been, been those two guys. Uh, these are the same guys that were red hot the last two months of the season. I guess my question is, how sustainable do you think this is? Obviously, I don't think Bryce Harper is going to have an OPS of 1,200 uh, for the season. But do you think Real Muto and Harper – can keep something near this this level for the for an entire 60 game season. I mean, you've seen it before with Bryce Harper at different points, you know, 2017 okay. he probably would have been baseball's MVP. 2015 was one of the better offensive seasons that we've seen uh, in in our lifetimes. Yeah. You know, um outside of somebody like like Barry Bonds and so I think it's possible, maybe not a 1200 OPS, but I wouldn't be shocked if he OPS like around a thousand for a season. Yeah. Uh, what real Muto? Real Muto, um, you know, just because of small sample size in the second half of the year, like he he was like he he absolutely raked. New. He's been if you go back to like August first of last year, he's been one of the best hitters in baseball. He has the highest you know wins above replacement of anyone in the National League like during that stretch because he has been hitting at such a high rate. We, we both on the last, the last time we recorded this podcast, we said that there's no reason for Joe Girardi to be batting him lead off. I take it back. Like I was wrong. Clean up, clean up. I mean, yeah, clean up my bad. But I was wrong. I think we were wrong on that. Yeah. I, yeah. Week, but for now, like he's the guy that should be there. Absolutely. Yeah. He's, he's smashing the ball right now. <laughs> they both are. It's kind of crazy yeah. uh, to see how good they've, they've been in the second since the second half of last year uh and then again to start this year at least for you know however many games that they've played so far and um you know that's a we we've had discussions about you know both both these players a little bit in the long term more so real muto how long he can stay so elite but like man they really do have like Two of the yeah. two of the better players in the National yeah. League, which yeah. is for as many criticisms of uh, 
the Phillies as there are and their ability to develop talent and find certain talents. Mm-hmm. Like they went and traded and signed like two of the better players in the National League, and that is always going to be cool to watch while it's going on. Yep, absolutely. Um, and just another note on the lineup tonight. JT Realmuto is the starting DH. Andrew Knapp is getting a start at catcher. So let me uh, let me say something about that. Uh, with right. the amount of I texted you this the yep. other day, with the amount of doubleheaders that this team's going to have to play, um, I think it's a, I can't remember the amount of games, but I saw it's Matt like Ge- Matt Gelb Matt Gelb tweeted this uh, a little while ago. Like twenty ish percent of their games are going to be doubleheaders at this yep. point, and with Realmuto hitting the way he is. Um, obviously he can't catch every game, especially with two games in a single day. Um, but I don't think you can afford to not play him at at least DH in yeah. most of these uh, double headers, you know, catching one game and then DHing the other one, because that bat at least at this point is too valuable to the lineup. And if he's going to be hitting like this, you have to, you have to play him. It's just, you know, um, the drop-off, as you know, Andrew Naffey is batting 500 on the season, but the drop-off from uh, taking that bat completely out of the lineup and then putting Andrew Knapp in there, like, that's that's pretty big. That hurts your lineup a lot. Yeah. So you have to keep him in there any way you can. Agreed. And I think I think we've seen, like, obviously your backup catcher is always going to have to play. But I think, you know, we saw this last year too. Andrew Knapp, he's, he's so much better defensively than he was when he came up. Yeah. You know, so, like, I think they – Threw, are, threw a runner out. Yeah. And, yeah. That throw, they pulled up the, the, the metrics on it, and it was like, because, you know, we're used to seeing the pop time of, like, 1.89. The, the th- and it was, like, the, 2.86. It looked like 2. a – 6. I was like, oh, man. It looked like a kind of a rainbow. And it's a mark. Yeah, the throw, yeah, I mean, we're just used to watching literally the best catcher. Yeah, for the last, game. for the last uh, like, three seasons now. Right, because of Three seasons now, the yeah. Phillies have some of the best pop times in all yeah. of baseball with their yeah. catchers. And yeah. Knapp, um, you know, I, Tim Kelly, he asked, I believe he asked Aaron Nola yeah. uh, over Zoom after uh, not his last start, but, yeah, was it his last start? Yeah. Um, about Andrew Knapp's pitch calling, and, um, you know, it just seems like, just seems like these guys are comfortable throwing to Andrew Knapp, yeah. you know, other than uh, Wheeler, most of these starters have either been around, been around for a while, or they even came up with Knapp in the minor that. leagues and stuff. So they seem, they seem comfortable with them. Uh, you know, he's two for four or something to start the year at the plate. And he's always going to walk. Like yep. he, he fits the mold. Team. He fits the mold of, uh, you know, some of these super patient hitters that the Phillies yeah. like to sign. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, like, on that last thing before we move on to, to talk about Arenola, the Phillies are – they have the best walk rate and the, the lowest strikeout rate in baseball, and they hit a lot of home runs. That's – you know, that's a pretty good recipe. To yeah. Uh, it doesn't – I don't know if the strikeout thing is necessarily going to sustain because they do have right. guys that are a bit that are strikeout strikeouts. Guys, yeah. And that's not even – it's not the worst thing in the world right. as long as you're still going to walk and hit some homers. Yeah. Uh, all right. Let's talk about Nola. So, Aaron Nola, first start. We talked about it, I think, two weeks ago when we had – after we had Ray done on the pod, we talked about Aaron Nola's first start where he looked good for five innings and then fell apart in the sixth. And that yep. was kind of the theme of last year. 
Uh, and it kind of looked like we were going to see that again where, where it's the Aaron Nola that looks really good two times through the order and then just can't figure it out the third. He has looked unbelievable these last two starts. I that, think that last start, especially man, yeah. like that, that yeah. looked like 2018 Aaron yeah. Nola, who was yeah. one of the better pitchers in all of baseball. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's striking guys out. I mean, and this is against like, not saying these lineups don't strike out, but it's against the Yankees lineup and the Braves lineup, two of the deeper, better lineups in baseball. I know that the Braves are, the Braves are hurting. All these. Yeah. Uh, you know, but the Yankees lineup is incredibly deep and he, what struck out 12 and six innings of work, something like that around that. And, yeah. And I mean, he could have the discussion on whether he should have completed the game on uh, Monday. Like that's another discussion for another time. I think just because it's, you know, it's whatever. everyone's, everyone's getting injured. Like injuries are way, way up this year. I don't think you can question they were up, they were up by twelve runs. They won the game. Like it's it if, is what it is. Yeah. If if they threw him out there and they were like, yeah, we really think that uh, getting his first complete game would have helped Nola's confidence. Right. That would have been dumb. Well, I mean, like, whatever. If they would have done if that. If he's if he's out here throwing a no hitter and sitting at eighty nine pitches, like, okay, obviously even it, it's he's gonna Aaron Nola will throw a complete game. I would have been I would have been fine. Like I I don't think I would have questioned the decision. Uh, if they threw him back out there, I, I agree. I agree. I just think like it's fine. They they yeah. They just wanted to had a, a valid enough reason. Yeah, they saved their their ace just because yeah. there was no reason to keep pitching him. Yeah. And you know there was a lot of bullpen adventures after that, which I think we'll discuss uh, after we're done with this yeah. rotation talk. But yeah, no, that was man. No looks so. No, his changeup looks looks really really gross good. it looks gross yeah. yeah i think i he looks back he looks like he could win the scion award um you know there were there were people who were saying that zach wheeler was the best pitcher in the rotation coming into the season i don't know if i ever said that uh but i might have sometimes agreed with it like nola just was not himself last year and it, it to the point that it felt like was was 2018 nola was that real? Was that who he will continue to be? Or, or is he closer to what he was in 2017 or 2019? It's uh, still probably a little closer to the middle. Oh, definitely. But right now he looks, he looks really good. Yeah. Um, and that's big for the Phillies. They hadn't won an Aaron Nola start and I think they lost what nine straight in like a calendar year. Yeah. It was, <laughs> it was 356 days <laughs> since, since the last uh, win on an Aaron Nola start. Give him plenty of run support, and yeah, I mean he he shoved. Um, yeah, yeah, to say the least. Yeah. Uh, do you have any other rotation thoughts? I think Wheeler's looked fine. He, yeah, he. Um, I think the thought was that the Phillies would help him elevate his stuff. Uh, some of the critiques have always right. been he has really good stuff, throws ninety nine, you know, ton of breaking pitches, you know, he uh, doesn't miss bats. But he doesn't strike anybody out. In, he does. He literally <laughs> in his first couple starts, he was like getting an absurd amount of ground balls uh, yeah. and double plays. He got a huge double plays in his first uh, couple yeah. starts. But at one po- at what point do you just look and be like, is he ever going to strike anybody out? I still right. think he's a really good pitcher, but is he going to strike anybody out? I think. Yeah, I think so far, if, if you were expecting. 
what Wheeler has been to this point in his career, then it's been fine. You know, he's been, he's been good. He's given them pitch well enough to win in every start. I think last night was definitely his worst of the three, but like you said, it wasn't necessarily like he was dominant in his first two starts. He was just, I mean, I don't know if you call it lucky that he's getting ground ball double plays, Um, you know, pitching to weak content contact is important and he does that, but uh, he's still good. Like I still think he's probably like still pitched better than he was with the Mets. Like, right. um, He, he, um, he, he's pitching well and like probably number two ish type of production. Yeah. Uh, That's what it feels like. Uh, But if he can strike guys out, like he could, I just, yeah, I just think it's, it's, I didn't watch him a ton when he was with the Mets. So it's, it's just weird watching him. This guy pumping out 99 and, and throwing some pretty good breaking balls and just, he can't seem to miss. I that. still think he'll get there. I think, I think, yeah. I think. Yeah. I mean, it's year one of five. I think he figures it out. Even yeah. this year, I think he'll be yeah. fine. Yeah. Um, like still yeah. Uh, not, maybe not as good as Nola if he uh, is going to keep pitching like this, but. I think he can get closer to that. Yeah. Uh, I think Vince Velasquez has been Vince Velasquez. We don't, I, we, we talked about him two weeks ago when we recorded it. It was the same kind of thing on, what was that Sunday? You know, he battles. That's, that's what he does. Uh, Spencer Howard's debut. He has stuff and he, you know, it was his first start. Had some jitters, I think. And he was against – it was against a really, really dangerous lineup. And he got hit a little bit. But I think – I still think he, he's going to contribute and help them win games this year. Oh, right? yeah. yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. Just it, one game. It was one game. Yeah. And then Arietta, Jake Arietta. Listen, I think you can go back to a podcast we recorded in, like, January or February where I said that uh, Jake Arietta was going to pitch so well that the Phillies were going to like pick up the option on him. Um, listen, maybe I, he, he's looked he's looked really good. Um, ever I since think he, I think he's earned himself like even uh, even if he's not good for the rest of the season, I think that he's earned himself a major league contract somewhere probably. Oh yeah, he'll, he'll pitch in the majors next year, and I think ever since that, like the that Phillies, was not a guarantee at the yeah, end of last season. Right, right. Ever since the fourth or fifth inning of the, of his first start, he's he's reached back and found something, um, and he's he's pitched really really well. This is the best he's pitched in a Phillies uniform since April of of 2018. Yeah, he had that one start against the Pirates where he was just throwing wiffle balls. Um, but yeah, his slider, I think, his slider looked really good last start. Yeah, and. Um, he was getting calls off the plate. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like, he I, was. I like to call them Maddox calls. Like, yeah. <laughs> like if you watch old starts from, like, the 90s, they just – umpires just gave any ace. Like, I swear, it feels like six inches off the plate. And Arietta was getting some of those strike calls. Um, but, you know, if they're going to give it to him and you can hit the spot, like, you, you got to do it. And that takes skill to be able to hit – consistently hit that spot. Uh, so we'll see if, you know, maybe, maybe if he's not getting a few inches off the outside corner, he's not as unhittable as he looked right. last start. But if his slider is going to break like that, like he's going to be good. Who's to say he can't. Yeah. 
Um, you know, and last year when he was when he had the the bone spur problems, like he wasn't throwing. Was he even throwing the slider? It was like mostly fastball, to right. be honest. And he was he was grinding through those starts. It'd be like five innings, seven hits, three earned every single time out. Like, time. I don't. I'm usually not the guy to be like, oh, so so gritty. Like he just wanted yeah. more, but like <laughs> yeah. those starts last year, you knew he was hurting, and yeah, he went yeah, out there. Like tell. it was, was probably. He probably yeah. should not have been on that yeah. now. Not, not. <laughs> he was yeah. out there. Um, one thing I want to mention, uh, you mentioned, you know, you talked about how the strike zone was pretty big for him. I do think the strike zone hurt Spencer Howard a little bit in that he was throwing, he was throwing some paint fastballs, like, low, and they were, he was not getting calls on them. Yeah. Um, yep. So, yeah, I mean, I think we'll see if. What do you that, think, what do you think of 48? The Eikhoff number. You know, I, I understand why people care about uniform numbers so much. I don't care at all. Like, not even a little Come on. bit. Like, wear whatever you want. I, the only thing I will say, I really like single-digit numbers. I think they always look the best. Eh, for pitchers, yeah. Like, um, well, for pitchers, no. Phil Gosselin wears nine, right? No, it's Bruce now. He wears eight. Oh, uh, Bruce wears nine. And Gosselin wears eight, yeah. Um. Yeah, 48, I don't know if it's just because, like, Eikhoff wore it for so long at this point, like right. five-ish seasons. Yeah. Um, 48 feels like a slow thrower number to me. Right. Yeah, interesting. Interesting. Maybe maybe it, it's not what he sticks with throughout his career, but... A, yeah, it doesn't matter. It doesn't, like, whatever. It doesn't, yeah, it, yeah. No, uh, no, like, like, you think of uh, of Rollins and and Howard as number 11 and number six, and neither of them started with those numbers. Yeah, it, what was Howard? I know I know Rollins was six. What was Howard? Howard, I know he wore 12 at one point. Mm. Uh, he might have started – he might have had three. Yeah. And, you know, it's whatever. It's just – Yeah, it, <laughs> it's just what you wear on your back. Yeah, agreed. Um, yeah, and then before we talk about the bullpen and wrap things up, uh, Zach Eflin – he was Zach Eflin in his first start, and he's pitching tonight. So, you know, we'll see. He's gonna. These guys are all gonna stick in the rotation because, you know, it it looks like they might. I know uh, Matt Breen tweeted yesterday that Joe Girardi said that he's gonna have Vince Velasquez and Spencer Howard both ready to start on Friday, and maybe they piggyback. And I think that's probably that makes the most sense for the season. They have so many doubleheaders. Just roll with a six-man rotation and, and have those guys pitch on the same day, especially when you have the bullpen problems that they do. You know, it's, it's fine. Have both of them throw four or five innings. Uh, and Eflin will stay in the rotation. All these guys. Like, there's no one – you're not going to take any of them out for Cole Irvin or Ranger Suarez at this point. Suarez is, even, is not even back with the team. So, but, uh, Jim Salisbury did report, I believe, yesterday that uh... – that Suarez and David, David Robertson, Robertson yeah. are both um, getting a little closer to maybe returning. I don't think anything's a guarantee. Right. Uh, but I think Ranger Suarez could help this bullpen, obviously. Absolutely. Uh, obviously yeah. a good Robertson would, but, you know, the injuries are tough. Um, but also recovering from COVID is tough. So who – I don't think any of them – either of them are like a guarantee. Right. But getting both of those guys back would be kind of really big for a bullpen yeah, that struggles talk, like the let's Phillies. Talk the, let's talk about the bullpen. Yeah. Um, <laughs> where do you even start? Uh, it's the, it's been remember, bad. 
Yeah. It, it's been bad. It can't stay this bad, probably. Like, I think they have four-ish relievers with, like, ERAs over nine or something, maybe more. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll look, look that, that look that up for me real quick. I know uh, Pavetta's over. I know Guerra's over. Guerra's I over. Think, Hunter's probably over. And I think and I think Morgan's over. Maris might be over at this point. Oh sure. well, I, he had a twenty-seven ERA yesterday, <laughs> and that was not yeah. really. He hasn't pitched much this year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, it, it feels like like a few days ago there the the ERA in the season. I don't know exactly what it was. It was like hovering around eight, and I was like, all right, this is really bad. But it can't. It, it won't get any worse. It can only get better. And then after Sunday or Monday's game, it was it was nine point eight seven, and then after yesterday's game, it's ten point one nine. It just keeps getting worse. But I, it's it's got it's got to turn around soon. It just it has to. Yeah, like these guys are not that bad. They're not as bad well, as they're. Pitching. It's also they're not gonna. I mean, Trevor Kelly and Nick Pavetta were both optioned and they're, they're already making changes well like kelly i think was dfa'd, DFA'd right, right, right yeah nick pavetta um i don't know if it's a guarantee like just if he ever pitches again for the phillies like that i just want to touch on that very quickly uh yeah. you know 2018 he had stretches where he looked very good that fastball curveball combination high spin rate guy able to miss bats and um it looked like, you know, a lot of people picked him to be their sleeper Cy Young Award candidate last uh, year, yeah. for, for last season after his 2018 performance. And he just hasn't missed bats the same way uh, ever since. And he's gone from a promising young pitcher to now a 27-year-old with no role. Um, looks like he, you know, just has nothing – he can't find anything to work for him at this point. Uh, two straight years, he's been sent down to Lehigh Valley uh, pretty early in the season. So, you know, I don't, I think not to, you know, I don't, I don't like to be the guy here that's always saying like, oh, maybe a change of scenery could do him good. Cause I think that, you know, sometimes uh, there's, there's more that goes into it than just changing a team and it's going to fix all your problems. But I don't think it's working in Philadelphia for Nick Pavetta. And he's definitely still talented. I know his velocity looked down in his last appearance. Uh, I think he gave up, what, six runs against the Braves and only recorded one out. Yeah. Um, but the curveball's still good. The fastball, when it's on, is still, you know, he he still throws hard and I think somewhere that could be figured out. I, I don't know if it's in the cards in Philadelphia. I think they've moved on um, in the rotation and it doesn't seem like he he's going to be a bullpen option, especially because there is a, a lot of question marks in there. And I don't think yeah. they'll even have the chance to be able to play around with even trying him out again right well it's a it's a 60 year. game season you know you mentioned earlier there's some guys that they called up Connor Brogdon and maybe there there's a couple other guys that they call up at some point you know the the trade deadline is less than three weeks away maybe they you know it's time to make those kinds of decisions rather than keep trying out guys like Pavetta um you know I don't really have much to add to what you said obviously he had like he was good in 2018 he had a, a really bad stretch I think in August 
um, where he he lost his curveball a little bit, but you know, especially the first three months, he was he was like a really good starting pitcher. And even with the bad stretch, he was like a three war pitcher. Right, exactly. Um, I think which the Phillies would probably have taken last year or and even exactly. this year. Um, but like you said, it, it's just they can't afford right now to to tinker with him or, or, or whatever I think and there's not even um there's not even triple a games like I, they right. have these they have these uh intra-squad games at the alternate training site but you know that does have a lot of scrimmage feel to it it's not a real a real game so it's not even like he can go prove himself in in triple a like if he were to to dominate in in triple a maybe he'd get another chance but it just doesn't seem like it's going to yeah. happen agreed um on the bullpen, you know, I, I pulled it up here. There are three Phillies relievers who have made at least one. I mean, at least two, pitching at least two games who have an ERA under nine. Okay. Now, there are four. Nope, five. Five. There are five? three. We'll, we'll, go, we'll go with the three who are under eight. There are three Phillies relievers with an ERA under eight because uh, Hector Neris is at 8.1 and Tommy Hunter is at 8.31. Okay. Yeah, so three with an ERA under nine. Under eight or under nine? Under, sorry, eight. Okay, three relievers under eight. Alvarez? Yep. He's the only one who has a 0.00 ERA. Okay. Um, Alvarez. Who else? It's tough (laughs) to say because it feels like they've all blown a lot of leads. I will say one is not on the the – active roster and hasn't been for more than a week i don't know man just tell me reggie mclean okay and rosa ramon rosa oh okay yeah um who i think i think should just be pitching more now because why not why why was uh what's his name austin Uh, davis austin why was he warming up last night like just throw connor brogdon out there just just throw him yeah i know i Girardi, um, he said in his pregame uh, press availability that he um, didn't want to just throw Connor Brogdon out there if he didn't have to. Uh, he wanted to get his feet wet a little bit, and I guess that makes sense. Um, but still, it does have a, a feel to it that throwing Austin Davis in a in an extra inning game where there's already going to be a runner on second, I don't think he's shown in his major league career right. that um, that's a, a spot where he can necessarily be counted on to get out of the inning. And I don't think Brogdon could do much worse. His changeup is gross, like really gross. Yep. Good fastball. Uh, yep. And he is probably better than Austin Davis, even with no major league experience. Yeah, agreed. Uh, you, just, you just wonder what happened to the, the bullpen that had the fourth best ERA in the majors after the trade deadline last year. Well, they didn't have so the, either, you know, the key pieces of that, of that bullpen are either. Mike Morin? Mike Morin, they should Nick have Nick Vincent re-signed. is on the Marlins. Nick Vincent had a six-out save. Isn't Mike Morin on the Marlins now, too? Didn't they pick him yeah, up? Yeah, I think so. The Marlins are just stealing the yeah. 2019 Phillies bullpen. Um, you know, Blake Parker's back. Blake Parker's back. Um, I think, I mean, I think if, and Suarez is out. Yeah. Right. I don't, I don't know like how active the trade deadline is going to be this year in general. Um, obviously the playoffs are expanded. So teams might be a little more reluctant, a little more reluctant to sell. 
And also like, it might be just be like super high demand and not a lot of supply. Uh, but you know, I think that's probably the most likely scenario. If we see any Phillies trades, it'll be um, a couple guys like the ones they acquired last year, bullpen guys who can just, you know, just pitch in, in, in three games a week. They took any like they they four. got innings they had innings eaters right and that's honestly year. they would they would take that right now. Jared Hughes would help this team. Mike Morin <laughs> would help this team. <laughs> Jared Hughes, <laughs> that, 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 that him sweet, falling down sweet was the funniest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> he he is um, he's very on brand all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, between he, he just between the like, running between he his leans Twitter into the bit of being Jared Hughes. Like, yeah. That's just, how he operates. Being Jared Hughes. I love it. Listen, the the game that, you know, John Boy really helped cement this as kind of a, a, a staple in Philly's uh, history. But that game where Jared Hughes came running in and he was out of breath and he gave up a home run almost instantly to Todd Frazier, uh, they, that was also the game where JT Realmuto rolled his eyes as, Jer- as Jared Hughes came yes. into the game. Yeah. That was one of – the highlights of last season yeah. that was great <laughs> that would that's what you like to see and i think he would help the phillies he would I, there, there are a lot of guys um you wonder when with the marlins specifically when they start to get guys back healthy who have been out with covid if if maybe they release some guys just you know just one one option for the phillies maybe pat nishek comes back you know who knows pat anything nishek. could happen if Pat Nishek is uh, back healthy, even if, uh, you know, with um, – they probably want guys, like you said, want some innings eaters. And Nishek, when he, you know, uh, when he was banged up the last couple of years, he wouldn't want to pitch um, right. back-to-back games, which in my opinion is very, very fair. Uh, he's gotten some criticism for, quote-unquote, refusing to pitch in games. But, uh, you know, if – He's hurt. He's hurt. Like you have to take the precautions. But I think they probably want some guys like Mike Morin or Jared Hughes that'll pitch every single day. But having a healthy-ish version of Pat Nishek would probably not be a horrible option yeah. because he was not great last year because he was hurt. But other than that, Pat Nishek in his other two, three seasons as a Philly, two, I think, two, two, yeah, uh, he was really good. He was yeah. an all-star. He was an they, all-star. They, you know, they, they signed him and Tommy Hunter on the same day back in, what, December of 2017. So maybe they, they reunite the, those two. Just, <laughs> as it was meant to be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. Um, yeah, the Phillies, they play today uh, against the Orioles again. Um, you said Eflin's pitching. Do I have that correct? Um. Yeah. Eflin. All right. Eflin on the mound for the Phillies. So they've two more games against the Orioles. Then they have the Mets. And then they and have an off day. Then they yeah. That's probably what their last off day of the season. Right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> they've played what since? I mean, they've had a couple rain rainouts. So they've played nine games in the last nine days or whatever. Or yeah. So yeah. I, I guess they really haven't played more games in as many days, but it has felt like that. Yeah. Um, I must say, I love it. Baseball every day. It's the best. 
Two a day is fun too. Yeah, two a day is great. Seven inning du- double headers are good. Yeah, like they, they should keep that and they should keep the extra inning rule. Uh, yeah. If you have any issues, please add me on Twitter and I'll tell you how wrong you DMs, are. But, the DMs are open. DMs always open. Yeah. But seven inning baseball is good for the sport. Only for double headers, though. Like, yeah, agreed. Agreed. I don't think for single games it should be like that. But for double headers, I like it. Yep. Schedule them. Schedule. Four double headers for every team, and make team. sure they are never, ever day night double headers. That's bad for the fan. You should, if you're there for a double header, you should only have to pay for one, one ticket. Yeah, I think it's day night double headers are a scam. They're pretty ridiculous. You should, if if you're going to the ballpark, you should not have to pay for two tickets right. to yep. get in. Like Agreed. that's just it doesn't make sense. And just being able to sit there and you know that you have two baseball games coming up, you don't have to focus on anything else. It's a good feeling. Yep, absolutely. You have anything else to add? And you think we missed anything? The, a lot of weirdness in the last yeah. week or so, like we said. A lot of weirdness in general. Uh, makes, for, makes for good baseball. NL East is kind of bad. So, you know, let's let's see. We were we were wrong about the Mets. Tim Kelly was right about the Mets. <laughs> I, hey, we're only uh, we're only a couple weeks in. <laughs> yeah, but we're at a quarter of the way through the season. That's how this works, Ty. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, um, no, I got else. We, we were right about the NL East being um, close. close. I don't <laughs> know if we were right about it being necessarily competitive. Yeah. yeah. But it looks like it's going to yeah. come down to the wire. And Charlie good. Blackman's going to hit 400. 500, maybe. 600? Mm-hmm. You never know. Yeah. <laughs> All right, I think that'll do it for this episode. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. Subscribe on Apple podcast uh follow us on spotify or wherever else that you listen we'll talk to you next week with another episode you can listen to the phillies nation podcast with ty daubert and johnny heller every wednesday on philliesnation.com and all streaming services